1: what is up everybody welcome inside the guilty is charged podcast coming to you live on a saturday right before uh, the senior bowl kicks off i know it's uh officially draft season so hopefully everybody is uh you're know, gonna sit down and watch some uh, prospects later this afternoon uh, in the senior bowl so excited to uh have a great conversation today about the biggest questions of the chargers offseason uh and joining me are my guys tyler and alex alex we'll start with you man what's up how are you doing this afternoon
2: doing good uh hopefully the chargers can find their next senior bowl mvp uh in this uh, yeah. senior bowl today and uh you know study all the draft prospects and uh yeah up and running on draft season yeah we know uh tom telesco has
1: uh placed a strong priority on the senior bowl in past years so uh definitely keep an eye out for all of that and uh coming up next week we'll have uh alex Kasten uh from chargers wire who's gonna be starting with us and he's going to join our show next week and uh, dive into a lot of the senior bowl shrine bowl stuff takeaways big standouts all of that good stuff So it should be fun next week
3: uh tyler what's up man how are you doing this morning doing very well although reviewing all that senior bowl one-on-one stuff i gotta make sure i know what's a win and what isn't a win because it <laughs> seems like dl and ol twitter are just going at each other trying to determine what here is a win and what isn't and what a pancake is or whatever
1: yeah, I know. There was uh, obviously that big clip that went viral of I think it was the Syracuse offensive tackle, and uh, ended up driving a, uh, the defensive rusher like into the ground oh, after yeah. an inside mm-hmm. move. And then all the offensive tackle Twitter was like, "Okay, but that's where the quarterback's going to be. Like, <laughs> that's not really a win." So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, excited to uh, dive into all of that. So, like I said, we're going to talk about the biggest questions of the Chargers' offseason today. Um, most notably Keenan Allen's future. And then, uh, a lot of the internal free agents that the chargers are going to be deciding between, uh, next month, really when free agency starts. So I'm um, going to dive into all of that. And then also before we do get started as always, please make sure and like, and subscribe wherever you are listening or watching all of that does, uh, really, uh, help us grow our show. So that being said, uh, we do have a slideshow today that we'll dive into, uh, for the offseason decisions. Thank you, Tyler. As always. I uh, did some great work with the slideshow today, as always. Um, so like I said, a lot of this is gonna be focused in on Keenan Allen and then some of the internal free agents. So um obviously, you know, the big discussion around Keenan Allen is related to, you know, just with his future with the team. Are the t- is the charger are the chargers gonna be able to keep him? Do they have to cut him? Will they have to trade him? Uh, a lot of that stuff. So we're going to dive into all of it. We're going to analyze both sides of the argument, if you will, and then we'll uh, have a discussion about it afterwards. So first and foremost, Tyler is going to take us through a lot of the uh, financial stuff between uh, behind this uh, decision, if you will, that the Chargers are going to have to make.
3: Yeah, it really comes down to this. If it were a free contract or a rookie deal or anything cheaper, of course you'd keep him. But looking at the numbers, the Chargers are $20 million over the cap and if you cut Matt Filer that gets you some of the way there but to really become cap compliant if it's the only other move you make and it won't be cutting Keenan Allen does save them enough to get them to be cap compliant if you pair that with a Matt Filer cut so right now his cap hit hit is 21.7 million dollars if they cut him they'll save 14.8 million Um, the following year which is the last year of his deal he's owed 25.8 million dollars so if they do cut him you know then they'll save 23.1 million dollars this is the year for the out um, there's also I guess technically one baked into after the season as well but this is really the first year of his deal that they're really able to get some savings for cutting him um, and then of course in 2025 he's an undrafted free agent, or excuse me an unrestricted free agent just like I believe Mike Williams is so can, long story short they can save 14.8 million dollars by cutting him this season which would basically make them cap compliant and give them you know more flexibility moving forward.
1: Yeah, like in a vacuum I think you look at the financial flexibility here. Um obviously you have to get cap, cap compliant like Tyler is talking about. Um Chargers currently $23 million over the cap. Um obviously they need $3 million to uh, be able to sign their draft picks, their seven draft picks that they have. So this is a big thing and I think a lot of this too like I you know we'll we'll get to this in a second but the restructuring aspect of this is very interesting as well because You know, next year they're able to essentially get out of the entire contract after this upcoming season if they want to. So, if they don't touch it at all this year, they can save $23.1 million next year. But if you restructure him now, that pushes, you know, that pushes more money into next year and it doesn't allow you to have that flexibility of essentially getting out of the whole contract after next season. So, um, financially, this isn't as cut and dry as people want it to be right like it's not like they can just decide to keep him you know and everything's going to be okay right like this is a legitimate decision because of the money like daniel popper came on our show uh last week and said like he wrote about in his article yesterday and so this this is something that the chargers are going to have to at least restructure and and work around the contract this year
3: all right Sorry, I was going to say, and that's really what it comes down to. So I was responding to my mom. Mom, thank you for the super <laughs> chat. Um, priorities, priorities. Um, yeah. But that's really what it comes down to is, is the, the Chargers want to, with a lot of their players, kick that money down the road again. Can they afford to do that? With someone like Keenan Allen, you do have to prepare for that departure for them to move on. He could have a really good season you know, this upcoming year, and I, I think he will if he stays with the team. He could have another good season after that, but you don't want to keep kicking the money down the road to the point where you're unable to move on from a player move a player or do anything else um right as herbert's contract starts to get kicked in so yeah i don't see a restructure here i don't see a lot of great options for restructuring but we'll have arjun on later at some point to really break that down for us yeah absolutely
1: all right so uh alex and i are going to break down kind of the arguments for keeping him for moving on from him um and then like i said we'll just kind of talk talk it out and see where we stand so um, Alex why don't you uh make the argument for the Chargers to move on from Keenan Allen this offseason uh
2: first of all I'm not necessarily even on team cut Keenan Allen um, Yeah, right I, I think because I asked analyzing Daniel Popper, both sides, yeah, yeah right because I asked Daniel Popper a question people are like oh you hate Keenan Allen and you're trying to kick him <laughs> off the team no um obviously Keenan Allen is still like a very good receiver easily top 20 in the league uh and you know the, the financials of it are just kind of what we're talking about here and, you know, all, all the different ways the Chargers can go about it this offseason. Um, like you guys said, I don't think a restructure makes sense uh, really in any capacity. If you're going to restructure people, it's probably Joey Bosa or Corey Lindsley. Um, but yeah, Keenan kind of going into what is effectively an expiring year on his deal, uh, considering, you know, the cap savings next year. You know, uh, this this is kind of the last Keenan year, unless they do decide to work on some kind of extension with him, possibly, which is also a way uh, that they could, you know, open up some short-term cap relief. Uh, I think it's a pretty simple argument, right? Obviously, they can save uh, $14 million per Tyler's calculations if they were to cut him this year. It's one of the ways that they can become cap compliant, which is what Daniel Popper talked about. And I, looking at the injury history, right, obviously, he had the groin injury this year, he is going on 31, uh, which is st- which is stated here, and the Chargers are 23 million dollars over the cap, right? Uh, and Keenan Allen is kind of your get out of cap jail free card, if you want to call it that. Um, technically, people have pointed out, yes, they can cut Khalil Mack, but Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco have traded for Khalil Mack, right? And they restructured him last year, so he's not going anywhere, despite his cap hit being higher than Keenan Allen or you know being a little older you know, he's going to be on the team next year. They want to see this edge tandem with him and Joey Bosa. So then the next guy is Keenan Allen. And, and per our discussion with Daniel Popper, the Chargers kind of were looking at some wide receivers last year. They didn't end up drafting one. And so now going into the draft this year, I think it's less about Josh Palmer. I mean, Josh Palmer could th- in theory be the guy who gets promoted to wide receiver two without Keenan Allen. I think if you get rid of Keenan Allen, you're most likely drafting a first or second round receiver, yeah. uh, probably at the very least. Uh, you know, talk, a lot of people talk about Jalen Hyatt and some of these other options that the Chargers could have at their disposal uh, if they decide to use their draft capital in that way. But effectively, you would be cutting Keenan Allen and getting potentially a four-year rookie contract uh, in addition to, you know, Mike Williams being a, a potential cut next offseason season as another way to kind of like save money before you offer Herbert this, you know, big Albatross contract that he's probably going to get this off season. Uh, and so, yeah, I I think that cutting Keenan Allen is not a a simple decision at all. As, As Stephen will talk about, there's the chemistry with Justin Herbert, the last four or five games of his season this year, after he did come back from the injury, were all very solid games. Uh, you know, I would say he even had a pretty good game against Jacksonville, despite the loss, uh, in the playoff game. Uh, Overall, I think that you can probably still say that he has one or two years of his prime left. It just feels like this probably, if you are going to move on from Keenan Allen in a Tom Telesco move on one year too early as opposed to one year too late kind of way, uh, which he's done with plenty of free agents that he signed and and created these outs in their contracts before, this is probably the year to do it. Um, And it's not an easy decision. Because you don't have a lot of, like, immediate, okay, this person is going to step into Keenan Allen's role uh, and become the wide receiver, you know, one immediately, Uh, you know, Mike Williams would be the guy who becomes wide receiver one, but you're talking about replacing Keenan Allen's production, right, as opposed to, you know, Mike Williams's production on his own um so not an easy decision in that sense but on the other hand i do think that if you talking about talking about getting a first round wide receiver contract talking about getting a second round wide receiver contract this is the way that the chargers kind of can move forward um and, and take themselves out of the cap jail potentially get faster uh in the wide receiver room per se and uh I, we can talk about it a little bit later uh, before steven gets into his argument uh for keeping him but the chargers If they were to still stay with the four-wide receiver, uh, one-returner type of formation, they don't have a lot of ways to add speed if they keep Keenan, Mike, and Palmer, right? Because, and then you're keeping maybe a DeAndre Carter or somebody else as a returner. Um, That leaves one wide receiver spot if the Chargers are to still stand by, you know, what they've been doing under Staley the last few years. So, um, yeah, there's not many ways to add you know, pass the contract. There's not many ways to add speed to this wide receiver room or improve it in that sense without making this cut. Um, I know that will sound crazy to say, and speed is not everything. You don't need to have four four guys to have team speed. You know, m- marrying the pass to the run game and plenty of other things. Um, but at the same time, I I do think that when you talk about the situation the Chargers are in now, I think those are effectively the main factors that you look at in addition to the cap hit when it comes to moving on potentially from keenan allen
1: yeah so just uh one thing i do want to point out after watching a lot of the hell and cowboys tape I, I would be shocked if they roll into like the next season with the same receiver roster method like i think The amount of empty packages that Kellen Moore wants to do and has done, like I think you need at least five capable receivers on the active game day roster to do that. So um, that is a good thing from, you know, watching the tape and stuff like that. But um, in in terms of where this roster is at, like, I feel like this would be a more cut and dry decision if the chargers had more than just Josh Palmer, like ready to go. Like if they had drafted, you know, I don't know, let's say like a Romeo Dobbs or something like that in the fifth round this last year. And like, you felt comfortable with him, you know, heading into next year, you know, if they had taken a a Bo Melton or if they had taken a Jaquari Robertson, like the guys that we all wanted them to take. Right. And those guys had flashed enough and you had Palmer and that rookie. Then I think it becomes a more cut and dry decision. But like Alex is talking about, there's a lot of different layers to this conversation, right? Like, obviously there's the financial side of things. There's the lack of people behind him so it just is it's a very complicated situation and I think for me like Tyler has talked about this as well as the first bullet point is you know his chemistry with Justin Herbert Keenan Allen still in the last six weeks of the season was I think number two in the league in third down conversions and you know that's been you know Keenan like he tells he calls it third and Keenan or whatever like third down Mr. Third Down so That's a really complicated thing. That chemistry, just the the ability to bring the best out of Justin Herbert, it it makes things difficult. You know, his rankings over the last, uh, you know, few weeks of the season since week 11, he was second in the league in targets. Uh, He was first in the league in receptions. He was, I'm going through this whole route, he's fifth in the league in total yards. He was sixth in yards per route run. Like he was still playing at a really high level down the stretch of the season. And like Tyler has here, you know, best per play stats of his career since 2018, like coming off of a major hamstring injury and then re-injuring it. So, you know, he still has a lot of good ball left. I don't think this is like, you know, some people have compared it to the Casey Hayward situation. It's like, well, Casey Hayward was injured and not necessarily all that good in 2020, but he wasn't all that good in 2019 either. So we have like two full seasons of not very good ball plus injuries. With Keenan, it's not that, right? Like he's played good football over the last two years. He just has the injury, he's older, and it's the cap space. And so um, those are a lot of the things. And then, like Tyler put down here, you know, the transition to a new offense previously in, in 2021, it made it things a very easier to have Keenan Allen, you know, able to run every single route and able to, you know, handle that kind of workload with Justin Herbert. And you could presumably see that happening again under kellen moore's offense and i think he i think kellen moore part of the reason why he comes here right is the ability to have mike williams and keenan allen and it's not just like you know a a situation where you're able to like you have to kind of rebuild the receiver room i think having keenan allen and his previous you know time with amari cooper there's a lot of parallels there obviously i think amari cooper is a little bit more explosive of an athlete but you know stylistically you know those are very similar players so um, you know, having Keenan Allen on this roster, I think, makes the transition to an off a new offense for the third time in three years is is definitely yeah. something that makes things easier for Justin for everybody. And you know, keeping Keenan around, I think, just elevates the play of everybody else. Like, there's a lot of complicated layers to it, but it's it's hard for me to envision this team getting better by moving on from Keenan Allen because, like, sure, theoretically, you could replace his production with Palmer plus a rookie but you know what happens on third downs like who becomes that guy because we've never seen Mike Williams become that guy like as much as we all like Mike Williams and you know we all talked about him being the playoff x factor and things like that he's never been a go-to third down receiver I don't think that would be Josh Palmer in this instance and you know is Jalen Hyatt or Zay Flowers as a rookie going to be that guy I just have a hard time thinking in like clutch moments that this team improves by cutting Keenan Allen.
3: Yeah, the, they will not get better, at least in year one, if they cut Keenan Allen. I don't think there's any way you could see that them getting better. And I think that really just also speaks to the draft class in general. I have not watched any receivers outside of Jalen Hyatt, but it sounds like this isn't a great class. And I believe, Stephen, you were in the Discord or in our chat or something mentioned that your wide receiver one in this class might have been wide receiver four last year. So, yeah. like, what are you feeling with this class overall? I'm not saying they have to go look for a, a, another Keenan Allen. Like, oh, go find another Keenan Allen. Well, I'm sure like every route running prospect will be compared to him. But like, <laughs> what are your first impressions of this class? Because I've only watched Jalen Hyatt, and he's a very different player than Keenan Allen. Yeah, absolutely, very different. I'm a fan
1: of, of Jalen Hyatt. I think the thing about taking a receiver in the first round, or, or frankly even the second round is that you're drafting that guy to eventually be your number one receiver. Like that's the goal is to draft one of these guys and they're going to be a number one receiver. And, you know, whether it's, you know, T Higgins in the second round or whether it's Christian Watson in the second round or Garrett Wilson, Drake London, like all these guys, like if you're drafting a receiver in the top 60, your goal is to get them to be a wide receiver one. And I just don't really see that. Like, I think maybe Jackson Smith Njigba could get there, but he's a smaller, probably slot-only receiver at this point. So, like, are you taking Jackson Smith Njigba? I'm going to get that eventually. I'm sorry if he's listening to the show. I doubt it, but uh, it's, that's a tough name to get. But uh does not roll off the tongue. So, does he get there to be a wide receiver one eventually? Maybe. But I just I have a hard time picturing any of these receivers that I've studied to be a wide receiver one. I have not studied Zay Flowers yet. Still waiting on uh, the ability to to watch all twenty two there. But like you know, I really like Jaden Reed from Michigan State. I like Josh Downs from North Carolina. But I don't think those are number one guys. I feel about them in a similar vein where you're talking about like a Josh Palmer. Where okay, maybe they can be a wide receiver two at best. I you know probably a, a really solid wide receiver three. So that's the thing. Like everybody wants everybody who's in favor of cutting Keenan Allen is like, "Oh, they can just draft a receiver, and it'll be fine. And it's like, but then Mike Williams is probably coming off the books, you know, two years from now or a year from now, and then you're gonna be left with Josh Palmer and let's say Jalen Hyatt. Neither of those guys are a wide receiver one. So it's just from a draft class perspective, it it makes things tough because i I really can't see any of these rookie coming rookies coming in and, and flashing like true wide receiver one potential, I would have, you know, I, I think, uh, a, I don't know. I, I can't really decide who's my wide receiver one. Cause they're so different in this class, but at minimum I would have Drake, London, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave ahead of everybody in this class at minimum, those three. And then you're talking about like Jahan Dotson and players like that. I wasn't a huge fan of Traylon Burks, but, I just I don't feel like there's a true like wide receiver one player in this class.
2: Yeah, um, I I think that that's fair to say Uh, with this wide receiver class in general, I haven't gotten like super into it, but I do think the conventional wisdom is that no, it's definitely not as good as the 2020 class um, right now. And then certainly you look at 2021 Uh, And all the wide receivers who went in that top 15, top 30 range um, right now, at the very least, it doesn't look like it's quite as good as that class either. I I will say, I wonder if, you know, Tom Telesco does kind of look at this as almost a Tyreek Hill-esque situation, uh, though, in terms of Tyreek Hill leaving the Chiefs, right? I mean, that was like a huge offseason argument for six months in terms of whether the Chiefs would be better or worse without Tyreek Hill uh and well, it turns out they're still pretty good uh so here's the thing like i you know and i don't think that that's a one-for-one comparison by any means because the reason tyree kill left is because the chiefs didn't want to pay him 30 million dollars a year um that, you know that is the real reason he left keenan allen if the chargers were to extend him, would not be getting you know that much money and he probably would be on a shorter term deal but i do think there is kind of like okay if we can maybe trade Keenan Allen and get like a third and a fifth round pick for him, get some additional draft capital, you're not getting a Tyree Kill package, obviously, um, but we can get something back in a trade for him, uh, and sort of kind of go from there in terms of debating who our wide receiver one through five is in this class, right, on the Chargers big board, and then maybe start replacing him that way. Maybe go on some buy low options in free agency, right? If you look at what the Chiefs did last year, uh, obviously signed uh, Juju Smith Schuster for basically nothing. Uh, And then got MBS uh, at a decent rate. So you can kind of look at what the Chiefs did with Tyree Kill as the model for the Chargers moving on with Keenan Allen. So while I do agree that you could kind of look at it and say, oh, there's not many good wide receivers in this class. Certainly not in this free agency class. uh, I do think you could look at it that way. But I also think you could look at it as there's probably other ways you can replace the Keenan Allen production um aside from just like you know boiling it down to only the wide receiver class
1: yeah yeah and tyler i definitely think in, that have. i'm sorry i was just gonna say from a financial standpoint before tyler jumps in you if you trade keenan allen you can save 16.3 million dollars so right. um going back to the first slide here you know if you cut him it's 14.8 if you trade him it's 16.3 and then obviously you mm. maybe get some some draft capital in return, so that that is another layer to it as well.
3: Awesome. I also completely forgot what I was going to say, so
1: <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, yeah. So the trading him, I think, makes it makes it more interesting to me. Like, I, as I, like if I'm gonna move on from Keenan Allen, I would prefer to get a draft pick for him.
0: Mm-hmm. But then also
1: that requires a team like being willing to take right. on his current contract. That requires a team like being interested in a 31-year-old slot receiver coming off right. of a hamstring injury. So um, I, I, I think a cut is probably more likely than a trade, in my opinion.
2: I agree. Um, I, I think it's more likely. I, I just meant, you know, from this perspective, either way, moving on, if you can get a pick back, that'd be great. I do think a cut is more likely than a trade because, yeah. like Steven said, it's, it's probably pretty unrealistic to be like, all right, well, I'm going to take $20 million of Keenan Allen on my cap sheet, you know, Unless you're just a team that, like, has a whole lot of money to spend, but there just aren't that many teams uh, out there right now. Like, yeah, you could look at a team like the Giants and be like, they have a lot of cap space, but they have to extend Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley um, and do all these things right. So there's not a whole lot of teams who need a wide receiver that just have tons of money available. Maybe, like, the Patriots with Keenan, uh, with Bill Belichick, like, they could need a wide receiver But aside from that, I don't think there's many teams who would be willing to uh, absorb that cap hit. But, yeah, I think either way that you do move on from him, I think, yeah, you could say, again, like the wide receiver class isn't that good. There's not a, a ton of efficient ways to replace him. But I also feel like, you know, you could kind of say that with a lot of wide receivers that have been moved on from before. Of course, you would like to get capital in a trade, but I don't think that it's totally necessary.
1: Yeah, I think from a trade team perspective, like I think obviously the Bears have a ton of cap space. They could certainly be in the market for a receiver. But, you know, are you really interested in trading for Keenan Allen? You know, the Falcons, same thing.
2: Right. Those are two
1: rebuilding teams. Maybe the Giants look at Keenan and say, you know, he can really help us kind of expedite our rebuild around Daniel Jones. But they're also going to be paying Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So, um, you know, it's tough to find a team that's like ready to go for Keenan Mm -hmm. Allen at this point.
2: Yeah, it's it's tough because it is kind of, would we rather have Keenan Allen for likely one or two years or would we rather have a cheap five-year wide receiver with a fifth-year option, right? Like that is kind of, uh, I think, the calculus behind that and why it is harder to trade Keenan Allen than Chargers fans think.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people will say like, oh, they can get like a second or third-round pick. I'm like, uh, <laughs> the way that this contract is structured, I have a hard time believing a team like the Bears, even with a lot of cap space, would give up a second or third-round pick. I think you're probably realistically looking at a team, you know, giving you a maybe a fourth at best, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, people will point to the the Cowboys trade and how they didn't really have any leverage to uh, necessarily get a ton for Amari Cooper after saying that they were going to cut him. But at the same time, like Amari Cooper is a younger player. He still had some, you know, flexibility on his contract and have the injury history, has more versatility. So, you know, if the Chargers traded Keenan Allen away, like I wouldn't be surprised if they got like a fifth round pick in return.
3: Yeah, I do think oh, who made the poll? Maybe it was Bolt Feet, but I think it ended up being like seventy-five percent of the fans thought they were getting a first or second um, for you Keenan know, <laughs> Allen. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. And I was just like, I had so many different permutations of tweets I wanted to send out. Look, guys, I mean, if they convince you know the Seahawks that he's an edge rusher and get two firsts for him, you know that'd be great, a la Jamal Adams. Um, but otherwise, guys, I don't, I don't see that happening. So. I don't know where that's coming from, but if they do trade Keenan Allen, if you're for that, which I, I totally understand if it's trade or cut, of course you'd like to trade him, but don't expect that, you know, first round pick to come walking through the door.
2: No, um, I, I do think that fans of any football team overvalue the players on their team uh, yeah. constantly. I remember having debates about trading Jerry Tillery and people were like, we, we could get a fifth round pick for that. And then <laughs> I remember that last off season and then I was like, no, nope. And then they ended up having to cut him. But, I mean, yeah, so that, yeah, Keenan Allen definitely is not a a first-round pick type of player. And if you think Keenan Allen's
3: a first-round pick kind of player, like, you should probably just keep him. It sounds pretty good. Right. Yeah. (laughs)
2: That's part of it um, as well. But, yeah, I I definitely don't think they can get a first-round pick back for him. But I think that's also partially just because of how the wide receiver market is. And, like, people said in the chat, even in the Mark Cooper deal, Dallas only got a fifth. And that is one that I think Jerry Jones probably wishes he could have back based on how Dallas' season played out. Yeah, basically,
1: like, if you're going to trade somebody, you know, away like this, you have to take, like, multiple bites at the apple, right? Like, the Cowboys traded him away, and, like, their solution was, like, okay, we're going to go draft Jalen Tolbert in the second round. And, like, that was all that they did. And uh, Jalen Tolbert, like, barely saw a field for them this year. So, like Alex is saying, if if you're trading away a player like this, it's got to be like, you know, a, a chief veteran. It's got to be also a high draft pick. Maybe double dip in a later round as well. Like you need multiple bodies in there to replace a a guy like Keenan Allen. So, uh, before we move on to the next topic here, I just want to get like our our gut feeling of how we see this playing out. So, Tyler, uh, as it stands on February 4th, how do you see this playing out?
3: Oh, they're not moving on from him. No, hundred percent they are. Yep, not moving on. Alex, what about you?
2: Uh, 60, they keep him. 40, they don't. I think I'm a little bit closer to like a 50-50 range than I am. Um, simply because of what they can do in you know changing this offense around and moving pieces and getting cap compliant. Cutting Keenan Allen is not the only way to do that, or I should say moving on from Keenan Allen in general if you want to talk about a trade. Um, but I I do think it's something Telesco would consider. And whenever Telesco says, I'm definitely not doing something at his press conference, you also think there's probably a decent chance he could do that. Um, so, and, and that was ultimately his answer on Keenan Allen. Um, I, I totally get why people would be like 100% they're keeping him. I'm just not there yet because of obviously the injuries this year and, you know, what the Chargers could potentially do to replace him and you know kind of depends on what kellen moore wants too um and i think hiring a new oc probably you know like steven said you can make the argument that like it it makes it a little bit more likely they keep keenan allen and installing a new offense but if kellen moore wants a different type of like wide receiver one or you know wants to draft a guy and get more speed in there could also make it a little less likely right so that argument could potentially go both ways um yeah, so I, I would say sixty they keep him, forty they don't.
3: Do you think this decision has been already made? Because do you hire someone like Kellen Moore and then and then figure it out? Or do you feel like you let him know ahead of time, like okay, this is our plan, and yeah. so do you want this job? Although it seems like they probably spent a good amount of money on him.
1: I think you're not hiring Kellen Moore without a plan in place. Like I, I think they have the decision made.
2: I agree. I think they already know whether they're moving on or not.
1: So I I don't think it's a hundred percent like, like Tyler does. I I, I'm a little bit more optimistic than Alex though. So I I think I'm kind of in between here. I'd say like 75% they keep him. Uh, We'll see if they restructure him, but I kind of think that's less likely too because I think Tom would want to have that ability to get out of the contract next year. So that's, that's kind Mm -hmm. of where I stand. I think they keep him. I think they find cap space in other ways. Uh, you know, restructure Joey, restructure Keenan, and uh, we'll dive into all of that, like Tyler said with uh, Arjun in here. So, all right, if you're here in the chat, uh, let us know what you think. Do you think they keep they Keenan? Keep Do you think they restructure him and keep him? Do you think they cut him? Do you think they trade him? Let us know what your uh, thoughts are
0: there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right. We'll uh, dive in here to uh, kind of the secondary point here is going to be what do the Chargers do with their internal free agents? So uh, do not expect the Chargers to be very active with external free agents this year. It's going to be very difficult for them to get to a point where they can go out and get some some big fish. And so they'll have some important decisions, uh, you know, regarding these players. So. Running through this really quickly from a financial side of things, and then each of us are going to pick two to argue in favor of uh, keeping around. Um, A lot of these projections on the screen here are courtesy of Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus, who, uh, in my opinion, is is the best in the business at predicting uh, contracts. So if you see a projection on here, that's because uh, Brad had them in there in his top 100. So uh, first and foremost, Trey Pipkins uh, did not make his list, so he did not have the projection there. Generally speaking, you're looking at a, a starting caliber right tackle. as kind of like a $5.5 million floor, uh, maybe, you know, six, seven, depending on how good they are um, because he's still a younger guy. I think he could get probably like $9 million per year maximum. Um, you know, we'll see how that one plays out. He did have Kyle Vannoy on there and had him as a projection projected a two year, $6.5 million contract. So nice little raise for Kyle Vannoy after, You know he himself feels like he you know uh boosted his value on the open market uh very big raise for more mr morgan fox who is projected for a two-year nine million dollar contract uh after being a a vet minimum i think was like 1.5 million dollar player for the charters this year uh drew tranquil as well two years 8.5 million dollars so calvin white morgan fox drew Trankle all had career seasons and all are getting a, a pretty sizable raise all of them making Brad Spielberger's top 100 list, all in the back 50 for what it's worth. And then also uh, DeAndre Carter and Bryce Callahan are really kind of the two other ones that we're going to be talking about. So uh, didn't make their list. I was a little surprised Bryce Callahan and Trey Pipkins didn't make the list personally. Um, Obviously Bryce Callahan, a little bit older, you know, has some injury history, but still was a a great player this year. So um, that's the uh, financial side of things right now.
3: Alex, would you like to start with DeAndre Carter? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, okay,
1: so uh, Alex, we'll we'll start with you, but we'll just kind of go through the list and you know call it like a draft, if you will. So uh, we'll go through some of the arguments for keeping each of those players. Again, keeping in mind kind of the the contract that you're you're talking about. So Alex, you go first, and then uh, Tyler will go, and then I'll go, and then we'll snake it.
2: Yeah, if I have to make an argument for keeping two of them, I think my first is you're Tranquil. Um, Actually, you know, I, I know we learned last offseason that Brandon Staley does not love linebackers. Um, but, like, you kind of have to keep Drew Tranquil. And, you know, Brad Spielberger has him at two years, 8.5. Um, spot track, for what it's worth, has his market value at $4 million per year. So, a pretty similar projection. If you're going to turn down, or we assume, they're probably going to turn down the fifth-year option on Kenneth Murray um, this year. And relying on that to be your linebacker one just kind of reminds me prior to signing morgan fox what they were prepared to do with jerry tillery last year and i just think you mm-hmm. need drew tranquil to be there he's not very expensive to re Um and you can kind of figure out other ways to sort of get around his costs yeah it is like a significant cost on the cap sheet it's not nothing you're not paying him the veteran minimum but at the same time, if you just want kind of solid linebacker one play, um, and you probably need it if you are going to let's say Kyle Van Noy walk in this permutation, because um, you know he's not going to kind of like rotate around the linebacker potentially. Um, I-, I think that you just have to keep uh, Drew Tranquil had a career year, and he's just not very expensive. Um, you know ultimately, uh, and the reason that they could kind of let go of Kaiser White last year was because they had Drew Tranquil right uh, on his rookie deal still that you know you know i guess the situation just doesn't exist for them this year they don't have someone that they can truly depend on to uh anchor the second level of their defense and so i would actually start with him uh and for me it's a tough call between morgan fox and trey pipkins for me although you get the one you get the one Oh, we get one? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. If we get yeah, okay. If we I th- I thought we were doing two, but okay. If we're just doing one, you're tranquil. Cool.
3: All right. Tyler, go ahead. Okay. I will go with Morgan Fox then so Stephen can I have Trey Pipkins, especially because I didn't watch <laughs> as much Trey Pipkins as <laughs> Stephen did. Um with Morgan Fox, it, it's tough to look at this list and say, you know, oh, it's easy or difficult to replace these guys because I have not watched the draft. You know, at this point last year I knew who, you know, some guys in the third round would be or the fourth round would be. Um, At this point, I really don't. So for me, though, with Morgan Fox, it's so difficult to replace him. And there's no one on the roster that will come in and be what Morgan Fox can do. Austin Johnson was a a solid pass rusher, you know, kind of two-way player for them last year. um, But he got hurt. We didn't get to see everything. Sebastian Joseph Day, um, if Chris Jones is over here on your graph, Sebastian Joseph Day's win rate is on the other side. Um and not in a good way for for win rates and, and pass rush productivity. Um, it's not And it, right now. It's not Otito. So you're kind of stuck. Like you have to take a defensive tackle You can rush the passer pretty early on in the draft. If you move on from Morgan Fox, um, he'll be expensive. Don't get me wrong. Like there's not going to be a cheap signing. And I actually think he'll be, you know, uh, he, he could get more than I think Brad's projecting, but. You have a player that we all unanimously agreed was a top 10 player for the team last year. And it wasn't even like 10th. You know, I think someone was had him, you know, sixth or seventh or eighth or whatever it was. I just think you have to bring him back. I think that it's too difficult to find another guy who can give you, you know, if he if he starts, you know, 50, 55 potentially pressures on a season just somewhere in the draft. So I really think that someone like Morgan Fox has to stick around. I think he's too valuable. You see what he's not—Chris Jones, but you can see what the value of a, a good pass rushing defensive tackle can be with someone like Chris Jones in this postseason. We saw how much Morgan Fox changed several games with his with his presence. Mm-hmm. I really think Morgan Fox is either the priority or the or the second guy behind Chris Pipkins.
1: Yeah, Morgan Fox. I think uh, it, it's like probably the most complicated replacement plan because rookie defensive tackles are, are so hit or miss. Like you you can draft somebody, like let's, you know, somebody in the second round to come in and be an interior pass rusher. And then that guy might just put up like 10 pressures all year. Like, you know, with Morgan Fox, I think you're getting the the most complicated replacement plan. Uh all right. So I'll go with Trey Pipkins. Obviously he's gonna be my pick. Uh you know For me, that's another one that I think is a complicated replacement plan. Like I think there's a lot of people who are in favor of just saying, hey, like we're gonna move Jamari Sawyer over to right tackle, and that's our replacement plan. You know, he's a six round pick, you know, it's a ton of surplus value. He played really good on the left side, you know, you know what you're getting out of him. But I think for that also, you're you're talking about somebody who's gonna be changing positions again as a sixth round pick like this isn't a first round pick somebody that's extremely you know high ceiling talented player switching positions uh and and somebody that's shown the ability to do that so i think jamari sawyer is to me he's still a guard i think the team views him as a guard as well and so i don't think that jamari sawyer is a realistic possibility for this team at right tackle that's just how i view things as, as you know, who he is as a player and also what the team wants to do. You know, the team wants to do a lot more wide zone action. They want to get into that McVay world. Uh, obviously, you know, Kellen Moore is is not from that tree, but the, the Cowboys did a lot of wide zone uh, schematic things as well with the Cowboys throughout his tenure. And so Jamari Sawyer just is not, he doesn't fit that prototype of, you know, wide zone offensive tackle. It's, it's one of the reasons why this team last year, pivoted to a lot of, you know, inside zone power gap scheme from a running standpoint over the the back half of the season was because Jamari Sawyer obviously does not have that kind of athleticism. So I love Jamari. He played fantastic. He saved the season. Uh, But to me, he's still a guard. So to me, the choices for right tackle are you re-sign Trey Pipkins or you draft somebody in the first round. This is not a deep Mm -hmm. tackle class, like you're not getting a third round right tackle pick and starting him immediately in right tackle. So to me, you have two choices. You re-sign Trey or you draft a right tackle in the first round. That's it. That's, that's the only way because you're talking about a coach and a front, front office staff that wants to be a trench team. And you're not doing that by getting a significantly worse right tackle. So um, that, that's the argument for Trey. I think, you know, outside of his play, which to me, you know, he's, he's an offensive tackle on the rise. He's somebody that's just now finding his stride. And like at some point, Tom Telesco has to start re signing his, you know, post second round picks. Like this is, it's getting (laughs) crazy talk. Like if we're going to go another year, another draft class where none of the, you know, post second round picks are going to get re signed. So just from a team building standpoint as well, I think there's a strong argument. And then listen, like Trey earned it, man. Trey played at a top 20 level among all offensive tackles this year while spending half the season dealing with a sprained MCL. You know, you're talking about somebody who was higher on the pass blocking efficiency metric than uh, a significant amount of tackles behind him, like we talked about him during our top 10 show. Um, And I think he's severely, severely undergraded uh, on pro football focus. Like, to me, he's a fantastic run blocker. He's an above-average pass blocker. To me, you know, I I don't see them getting better at right tackle by letting Trey Pipkins walk.
3: No, you'd be forced to take someone in round one, and even we know that can be so hit or miss. And it's not like we're picking, you know, Rashawn Slater at thirteen. Again, I haven't seen this class, so I do not know if there's great options between twenty and thirty-two. I have no idea, but you certainly don't want to bank on it. And this is this situation is even worse than like wide receiver because they don't have anybody waiting in the wings that can be a legitimate right tackle that they feel is a right tackle. They've been developing to be a right tackle or even a left tackle. Yes, Jamari Solar could do it, but he was drafted to play guard, and he said as much. I interviewed him. The whole point <laughs> was to kick him into guard so he could be really, really good against the run. He's going to be awesome. He's going to save the Chargers a ton of money this year. They're going to get a huge return on him playing left guard. Otherwise, yeah. it's Storm Norton, Foster Serral. That's what they've done to develop tackles over the last year or so, and that's it. So unless you want to absolutely pigeonhole yourself into taking a tackle in round one, which I don't love when you're picking in the twenties, you had to bring back Pickens, who I think is going to be less expensive than maybe we might think, just because of the lack of true starting history, the injuries, you know, doesn't have that first or second round bias or anything. Not really a big name guy, not a big college guy, you know, either Sioux Falls isn't exactly sure. Georgia or, you know, Ohio State or something. So yeah, I, I think you have to keep him. Um I'm not saying sacrifice Keenan Allen to do that, but I would certainly sacrifice you know, some other players or other things to get that done, because I don't want to pigeonhole the chargers to getting a tackle in round one.
1: Yeah. And then the other thing too, is like, if you move Jamari to right tackle, then you have no, you have no plans at guard either. Like, right. because they don't, they don't think Brendan and can play. Like they've, they've said that they've proven as much over the last few years. So if you move Sawyer to right tackle, you have to find a starting left guard and then also a backup swing guard as well, which they already have to do because they don't have one right now. So, it's just, you know, the, the depth along the offensive line is really poor right now. So I think you bring Trey Pipkins back, and then it's much easier to go find depth after you have your starting lineup solidified.
2: Yeah, um, I think that Trey Pipkins after Drew Tranquil would be my second pick um, if I had to, you know, bet on it right now. But it just makes... You know, I think you could talk about getting surplus value, which is something that people have talked about. Like, if you just get a starting right tackle who you took really late on, like, day three in the draft, like, yeah, I mean, that's that's like a cheap deal. But like Stephen said, it's kind of overthinking the problem, right? Because you're opening up another hole, you know, uh, assuming they cut Filer and now you have to get another guard, right? As opposed to just being able to do, okay, well, you know, here's Slater, uh, here's, uh, what was I going to say? Slater, Salier, Lindsley uh johnson and then pipkins right mm-hmm. like that's the very simple solution and probably the best possible chargers offensive line you can construct for the 2023 season and so i think you know yeah you could talk about moving him to right tackle or moving sally right tackle and doing all of these things but ultimately when you kind of come back uh Trey pipkins is still the best solution right uh, or at least the one that has kind of the fewest uh, that creates the fewest holes in this offensive line. That you would have to then fill in free agency in the draft, uh, money in free agency that you didn't spend on Trey Pipkins or a draft pick. Then you would have to then spend on a right tackle because you didn't sign Trey Pipkins, right? Uh, so yeah, I think the argument for for keeping it is pretty simple. Yeah, I agree. So uh, my next take, my next pick here, we'll go, we'll we'll snake things.
1: I'm actually going to go with Bryce Callahan. Uh, Bryce Callahan to me. Uh, still an elite slot corner whenever he's healthy. Um, you know, you're talking about a player who's one of the highest, uh, players in terms of fewest yards uh, allowed in the slot. You're talking about a player who, uh, gives up a lot of the, the fewest, uh, snaps per reception. So I think he's still a really high level corner. And I also just am concerned about the plan behind him. Um, We didn't really see a great return from Ja Taylor in the back half of the season. Like I think they really like Ja, and I think he still has a a solid future ahead of him, but I still think he's a bit of a work in progress. I don't really know if they want Asante Samuel Jr. to play in the slot. I don't think he really is able to handle that from a run defense standpoint. So I, I think Bryce Callahan is probably... You know, besides DeAndre Carter, I think Bryce Callahan is probably the most affordable player on this list, just given his age and given his injury history. But I, I think Bryce Callahan was so good for this team this year. And so I, I think this I, I think he's one of these guys as well. Obviously, they went out of their way to get him after the draft. So I, I don't think he costs a lot. I think hes he's still a really good player. And it gives them a lot of flexibility in the draft. Like, they don't, if they re sign Bryce Callahan, they don't necessarily have to go out and draft a corner, you know, in the top four rounds, top three rounds, uh, to come in and challenge for a starting spot. Because then at that point, you still will be able to have, you know, Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., and Bryce Callahan as your starters. We'll see what happens with JC Jackson and his health. And, you know, if Jaw Taylor and Dean Leonard can take some steps forward, you feel pretty good about that cornerback room. So, uh to me i would like to keep the status quo in the secondary and i don't think bryce callan is is gonna break the bank at all
3: the only thing for me comes down to then what is the plan for Asante samuel jr which i, I mentioned that they could potentially look to trade him not because i was in favor of that but like you're stuck with two corners and if he's done callahan you've got your third i know jc isn't going to come back immediately and certainly not at full strength but like. I don't really know what you do there. Um, and I don't know if they know what they want to do there yet because it's such yeah. a tricky situation. I didn't think they would think you know, five weeks into a season that they would both not really want J.C. on the field and he would get hurt with that contract. So really, really tough. And I don't know if they even believe in Asante Samuel Jr. to be a slot corner to play the run like they would like him to because you've seen that. They've, they've been switching him out for Jaw Taylor. So I'm in favor of bringing Bryce Callahan back. If he walks, I get it. I at least feel a little bit better about this plan. With someone like Jaw Taylor, rather than, no offense, but like Trey Hopkins to Foster Serral, you know, <laughs> they, they've been trying to make this change. I don't believe he's prepared themselves, but I, I think Bryce Callen is going to be so inexpensive that just another repeat deal of last year, to be completely honest.
1: All right, Tyler, your uh, next pick here.
3: Okay, cool. I'm going to force uh, Alex to take DeAndre Carter. So I'm going to talk about <laughs> Kyle Van Noy. Um, Kyle Van Noy for me was if you look at the beginning of the season, I don't believe you say, "Oh, that's a player we have to bring back." And it was pretty disappointing in terms of the numbers. I thought the film was better than the numbers, but still, you you want pressures, you want sacks. wasn't getting that. wasn't great against the run. And then things just really flipped in the second half of the season. And you know, with him being the leader that he's been, the the grandpa that they call him, yeah, he he did a really really good job to close out the year. I mean. It's one, two, three, four, five sacks to close out the year. And we're talking tip balls for interceptions. We have, you know, 37 pressures on the year. Every single game, he was playing edge three that you wanted and really like an edge two. We were missing that the entire year, and he really turned it on the season. So I think he'll outprice himself. Um, from what the charges are, but if they can find a way to bring him back, I'm all for it. And I, I just at this point don't want to buy that Chris Rumpf is going to be edge two and a half. Like we have to assume all these guys are a half of an edge better than they or They need to be half of an edge better than they're projected on the depth chart because Khalil Mack and Joy Bosa, someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to miss time. And I don't believe that Chris Rumpf is there yet. So if they can bring him back, Great. With that said, I don't really buy that they are going to be able to.
2: Yeah, um, I think that Kyle Noy is certainly up there, probably in my top like three or four if I had to like structure this list just because of all the uncertainty about Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa's availability. Um, now, Khalil Mack, to his credit, has played uh, a full season in three of his last four seasons. Uh, if you kind of take out the 2021 season uh, where he only played seven games, but Joey Boses obviously hasn't been able to stay on the field. And so if you're talking about, you know, just having a guy who's prepared to step into uh, an edge role like Kyle Van Noy did this season, um, I think he's a pretty critical value there. Uh, the case for DeAndre Carter is pretty simple. Um, he doesn't make any money and he plays good special teams. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah. You know, he made a whole whopping $1 million this year. Uh, Track has him getting a big bonus to $2 million next year. So, I mean, really... And I think there is, you know, some feeling about DeAndre Carter in that, like, yeah, he had some, like, bad drops or some, like, I would say not so great wide receiver moments down the back half of the season compared to when he first stepped up. But optimally, if you're keeping Keenan Allen, Palmer, drafting a wide receiver potentially... DeAndre Carter is much back in his role that he was supposed to be last year, right? Which is wide receiver five, right? He's supposed to be your special teams guy uh, that you have on kickoffs and, and punt returns. Uh Steven said, is in, or as Tyler present in slides, he was an elite punt returner this year, uh, definitely top tier in that regard. And just bringing him back makes sense. And in transitioning, it's sort of what uh, Steven talked about with Keenan Allen in terms of like knowing the system and now transitioning to a new OC. You have a guy who's kind of, able to do whatever he has to do from, you know, potentially being wide receiver one in certain games this year to being two, three, four, or five uh, on the depth chart any given week. uh, And just kind of rolling with it has a pretty decent connection with Justin Herbert as well. I thought this year. Uh, And so, yeah, to me, the how inexpensive he is uh, and how he's kind of really plug and play to whatever slot you want to put him in on the depth chart. And he's sort of, you know, the face along with the kickers and, um jk scott in terms of this ryan ficken special teams revolution that he had in uh, in 2022 if you want to call it that uh, i think that it's a pretty simple decision to bring gadget carter back i wouldn't be surprised if they let him walk because i mean we've been cycling through returners and special teams guys and things of that nature uh washington even let him walk last season after a really good year but mm-hmm. uh to me it's just a pretty easy decision
1: yeah i don't think like obviously i think he's probably the easiest to replace of this list like yeah. i think you probably take you know uh six round receiver and he can probably do the same kind of stuff in terms of re- being a returner being that fifth receiver but you know ryan ficken has a good amount of say on this roster uh mm-hmm. you know particular like spots 48 through 53 so uh I-, I would not be surprised if carter came back at all you know we heard all off season that he was uh had a great rapport with all the quarterbacks was, was a friendly target. So I wouldn't be surprised if he came back. I, I, I would like to see them get a different kick returner though. I think that's a, uh, that's a safe thing to uh, assume that happens this year. Just um, uh, we...
2: bring him back and don't run the sweet play. Uh, it's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. Get <laughs> no, somebody we'll else good to at be a jet guy. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: all right. We had a couple uh, super chats in here quickly that I want to acknowledge
3: if I can scroll up and find the old one yeah there was one from some guy i will find it i just had it and then i lost it just like deandre carter on some kickoff returns okay here we go
1: okay so i scrolled up way too far then because there was one in between that uh some guy said just want to say thanks and that you you're all awesome for both being the best most informative Vols channel and putting up with all of us i uh, appreciate that you know obviously none of what we do is possible uh, without you guys. So, uh, Solo Man recently said, give me a little Tank Dell in round four and let Carter go. So, uh, Nathaniel Tank Dell from the University of Houston, uh, I swear, like looks like a uh, Deshaun Jackson clone from a body from a body style standpoint uh, and was really good at the senior practices this week. So, uh, wouldn't hate that at all. Obviously, you'd be talking about probably taking two receivers in the first four rounds to get Tank Dell at this point. there was another one too I think
3: there was a new member
1: oh David um... Takashima appreciate that Mm -hmm. okay before we'll uh take some questions for a few minutes guys so if you want to uh fire away on some questions you know that you have for the uh off season and then we'll uh we'll end the show with that um really quickly just I want to have each of us rank like the the from most likely to least likely to return the season from those uh six players so who uh, wants to go
3: first also i need this list up i'm not smart enough to remember
2: (laughs) yeah i I was gonna say put the list back up i can't remember
1: (laughs) okay so again we're ranking them in terms of most likely to return to least likely to return um Mm -hmm. as opposed to like ranking them in like in terms of play style and stuff like that so i'll start first i'm gonna say trey pipkins most likely I will say uh, Drew Tranquil second. And then I'm going to (laughs) say Bryce Callahan, DeAndre Carter, Kyle Vannoy, Morgan Fox.
3: Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I'll go Trey Pipkins first. I'll go Callahan second, mostly because he's going to be inexpensive. Um, Then I will go Tranquil because they kind of have to. I don't believe that Carter's coming back to be completely honest. But um I think he's just cheap. Right. So I go Trey, Callahan, Tranquil. I'm gonna say Fox because he's Staley's guy, then Van Noy then Carter. I just think they're
2: moving on from Carter. Um I'll go most likely to least likely Morgan Fox one uh Tranquil two Pipkins 3, Carter 4, and then I think both of these guys, Bryce Callahan and Kyle Van I think you could have them in either 5 or 6, but I just think end up pricing themselves out of the Chargers, um, and so therefore I kind of have them at 5 or 6, and then Chargers kind of get a comp pick, let them walk, and then replace them through, you know, free agency or the draft.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, the comp pick formula should... It didn't work to the Chargers advantage this year. Obviously, they spent way too right. much money in free agency, but next year they should get, you know, some some good comp picks. So uh, you know, Kyle anoy leaves, Morgan Fox leaves, those will be, you know, hard to replace in terms of contracts. So uh yeah, would be very interesting to uh see how it plays out. We're just uh we have a little over a month until uh free agency starts. So obviously something to keep an eye on. All right, we'll uh, take some questions here. Uh, Simon G. starting us off, he wants to know if there's anyone we are keeping a close eye on today at the Senior Bowl. Um, Obviously been going on all week. What I will say is that a couple of my friends who were at the Senior Bowl have told me that the Chargers representatives were keeping a close eye on the edge rushers in particular. Uh, Mr. Keon White from Georgia Tech and Will McDonald from Iowa State. Uh, so those are two players that they have really been uh, focusing in on at the Senior Bowl. Two edge rushers, probably, maybe Keon White might be a first round prospect. It seems that he's got a lot of fans around the league. But uh, Will McDonald probably a second round prospect. So those are two guys that, by default, I think we all have to keep an eye on. And then uh, Jaden Reed, the receiver from Michigan State. I'm a big fan of his after watching his tape this week, uh, and he's been from all from most accounts the best receiver at the Senior Bowl. So. Uh, he's somebody who has been a prolific punt returner in college. He's, I think, somebody that could be a really good fit as a backside Z receiver for this team. Has, I think he probably is like a mid four four guy, so he's not a burner by any means, but he would be an upgrade in speed. And he's just uh, a very well-rounded receiver, which I, we know that uh, Brandon Staley wants his guys to be able to run every route in the tree and also be fast, not just fast. So uh, I think Jaden Reed, receiver from Michigan State, is a uh, somebody to keep an eye on as well. You basically
3: took everyone. Uh, Sorry. I exactly. <laughs> oh, um, Luke Musgrave. Obviously, I want to. I to check out what he's doing because apparently he can run 20 miles an hour at six. Yeah. 60 or whatever. <laughs> um, it, he definitely is very fast off the line on tape. Um, but I'm really curious to see what what he does. Am I a fan of him at 21? Not really. But if you want, if you don't go receiver, but you want to find someone who can run pretty fast as hell um for his size with the athleticism you want Musgrave's a fun one yeah Musgrave
1: uh to me is uh end too like I I love what I see from Musgrave from an athletic profile standpoint uh you know I think he's a really well-rounded Brock well-rounded blocker as well so I'm a big fan of him in terms of other tight ends uh there's Purdue uh, tight end Payne uh, Durham, I believe his name is, if I remember correctly from today. Um, kind of discount version of Michael Mayer. We're just kind of solid at everything. Really gave me like strong Hunter Henry vibes when I was watching him this morning. So uh, that's another one to keep an eye on. I missed it. Who was the Hunter Henry vibes? Uh, Payne Durham, the tight end from Purdue. Oh, cool. I haven't watched him, but nice. Yeah, he was uh, voted the tight end of the week on his on his team um favorite prospect you've seen so far either of you guys have one that stands out not, not necessarily like top prospect but just someone you've really enjoyed watching
3: okay i've only watched like seven <laughs> so, <laughs> sure i do have a favorite i guess it's dalton kincaid but it's not like I've gone through like oh I've watched Jalen Carter I've watched you know all these really good you know players and everything, not that Kincaid's K- 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 not a good player but I mean you know I haven't I haven't fallen in love with a player yet I'll say that much.
2: Uh, it wasn't Luke like...
3: Venice. <laughs> are we talking about like <laughs> that was a rough watch
2: or just overall prospect? Just like, like overall, being... somebody that you um, really like watching. Yeah, I have not watched that much tape. Uh, Quentin Johnson. Oh, I didn't like watching him at all. Really? Wow. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> Ew, like watching fight. him at all.
1: He's 6'4", and he plays like he's okay. 5'11". I, I, I'm not into it. All right. Um, I I loved watching Siaki Ika, the nose tackle from Baylor. Like, uh, just somebody that uh, saw Lake's Finest, first of all, went to East High School, where my parents went to high school. Um, and uh, just somebody like 340 pounds, but it can actually rush the passer pretty well. So, uh, if the chargers needed a nose tackle, he'd be somebody that I'd be very interested in. Uh, so I've I would, I would loved watching him. Um, solo man with a super chat, really quickly he says, You guys ready for RAS season? LOL,
3: yes. Yeah, I mean, I actually have in my personal rankings i I'm going to have RAS rankings. So I can keep track this year. And yes, I'm ready. I can't wait for another nose tackle to jump 32 feet like Jordan Davis did.
2: <laughs> I don't know if we're getting or, there this year.
1: Or some some edge <laughs> rusher to run like a four three nine or something, like uh that kid from Virginia Tech last year. Barno, I think oh, his name gosh. was. Oh
3: gosh. Oh, Amari Barno? Yeah. It's amazing how fast I've forgotten some of these players. <laughs> Um,
1: DZ said for what it's worth he is concerned with Tito's injury same as JC but he's a big boy I think a defensive tackle I think is a sneaky need in, in this year I mean yeah. Austin Johnson's a free agent next year Tito's obviously, obviously coming off of his injury Brain Foco free agent next year so I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we do see them take a defensive tackle in like the first five rounds
2: yeah Um. I mean I think a ruptured patella tendon is bad in either case I would say it's probably less bad for otito given that he's younger and also that i mean he's not going to move or run as fast as a quarterback um on play-to-play basis so for me i i'm less concerned about that one but i do still think we could see them uh, invest some capital in a defensive tackle in general
1: sure um lde bruin wants to know do you th- do we think that both gerald everett and donald parham might be gone this year so obviously Daniel Popper did list him as list Gerald Everett as a potential cut candidate uh, this year, frees up $4.5 million to move off of him. Um, I think Donald Parham is a restricted free agent or is he straight up unrestricted? RFA. Okay. So they can, they can easily bring back Donald Parham again if they want to. Um, I, I think for me, like, if you're cutting Gerald Everett, you're saying that we're absolutely drafting a tight end in the first round. Like I, I don't yeah. think you have a mm-hmm. choice if you cut Gerald Everett to do anything but take a tight end in the first round. So, I I I don't know. Like I just I think that it doesn't. It's hard for me to envision them improving the tight end room by saying, "Hey, we're going to cut Gerald Everett. Maybe we sign somebody like a Tyler Croft, super cheap, and then also draft a first round tight end." So it's to me, it just makes the most sense to draft a tight end and keep Gerald Everett.
2: Yeah, I, I, I totally get why financially you would cut Gerald Everett. I mean, they could save $4.5 right? right, um, if they were to move on, uh, right? So, I mean, in that sense, you could just kind of move on. But, yeah, I mean, Everett and Parham being gone and then left, being left with Trey McKinney as your tight end one uh, is a pretty ghastly scenario uh, that should uh, scare Chargers fans. Parham, I don't think, will be as hard to bring back, but... You you would still spend a significant amount on him, right? Because he's not on ERFA anymore. So instead, you're probably spending two or three million to bring him back, as opposed to seven hundred k. Just from that standpoint, I think one of them will be gone. Uh, less likely that both are gone.
3: Yeah, at some point they're going to do the whole. Well, we drafted a player, and we got to see something. So I think that could be with Trey McKitty this year. You know, I love, would love to keep Donald Parham. I don't see why, if no one picks him up at some point later in the year that they, he couldn't return, but the Chargers don't really do that. So I think it's Everett. I think it's a draft pick. I think it's Trey McKitty. If Parham's back, great. I don't see, like, a reason on the field to cut him. It's just, you know, if, if we're penny-pinching and you're worried about the injuries, yeah, I guess you have to.
1: Yeah, and they still have Stone Smart that they like him, too, so... Hmm um josh jeppesen Jeppson, i don't know i'm gonna say jeppesen uh why did we play, why did we pay a predominant man coverage corner to play in a zone scheme so i've seen this floated around on twitter the chargers actually ran man coverage at one of the highest rates in the league this year um and they did that a lot with jc jackson like if you look at their coverage numbers against the chiefs you look at the coverage numbers against the seahawks before he got injured it was a lot of man coverage. Like he was isolated in man coverage quite a lot in those two games. So I understand that there's a lot of, this isn't like a pure man scheme. Like they don't just, line, they're not the Patriots where they line up and play man coverage every single snap, but they were, they were top 10, I believe in man coverage uh, usage this year. So um, the chargers do play man coverage quite a lot. I think Brandon Staley has, has talked about his desire to be able to do that quite frequently as the head coach and and defensive coordinator. So uh, just wanted to clear that up. They do play a lot of man coverage, the Chargers do.
3: And for what it's worth, if we looked at when they first, or when we were talking about them signing JC, and when they did sign JC, Arjun made that graphic or had that graphic that JC was basically equally good in man and zone. So it's not like, oh gosh, he has to play man, or he won't be good, or he has to play, like, he was equally good at both. Probably, maybe I guess better at man if you had to pick. But the graphic pretty clearly demonstrated and conveyed that like, this is not a one-way kind of player; he can do either. Um, so, it just didn't work out to start the season.
1: Yeah. What do you guys? Uh, a lot of people asking earlier about like JC scrubbing his Instagram. Like, I love that that stuff is back this offseason, but it's so silly. Like he he didn't just delete Chargers pictures; he deleted all of his pictures. Like, yeah, you know, pro athletes like to just delete stuff from time to time. I don't think anything there's i don't think there's anything to take away from that
2: yeah i mean also regardless of instagram they, they can't financially move on from him right so <laughs> doesn't really right matter. exactly if, if a year or two from now he's deleting instagram pictures maybe it's a different discussion but uh <laughs> there's no possible way to move on so
3: hmm. yeah no yeah. there's unless something legally pops up or something ridiculous pops yeah. up no they're stuck are not stuck they're going to have to you know work with him yeah
1: there you go all right well uh we'll take one more question so if you haven't had a chance to ask a question uh fire away wait we'll i have do... a question okay hold on go for it we'll do alex's and then one other question super oh. bowl score predictions <laughs> of course
2: <laughs> go ahead oh do you want my unbiased or my biased prediction uh unbiased Bi- oh well i'll do bias first Bias 400 <laughs> to zero unbiased 33 23 eagles Wow, 10 points. Yep. That's unbiased. That's the unbiased one. 400 points was the biased one.
3: <laughs> hmm. Okay.
2: What is the... What's the It's 2.5. Uh, the Eagles,
1: Eagles by, by 2.5 and two two and or the yeah. Chiefs?
2: Eagles by 2.5.
3: Hmm. Okay. I do have some bias as a sort of Eagles fan in the family, but I'll go... E- I do think the Eagles win. I picked them anyway, so I might as well you know, write it out 28, 24.
1: I think that sounds more right. I, I think Mahomes will will uh, be able to keep it close. I think, you know, having the two weeks off him and Kelsey will get healthy. Yeah. But uh, I, I do think the Eagles will win for what it's worth. So I, I'll say, I'll say 27, 23 Eagles. Um, <laughs> super chat from Christian Hernandez. I appreciate it, man uh trading from 21 to number one you'd have to give away like two future first round picks two future second round picks the Chargers need those picks
2: oh they mean trade up to the number one pick in the draft (laughs) yes
1: oh because that's where you'd have to go that's where you'd have to go Uh, to get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson
2: uh maybe you could trade back with the Bears after they make a trade back already but (laughs) I mean yeah I, I don't know if the Bears want to go full Howie Roseman then fine but other than that yeah you're not trading up to number one
1: yeah, they want to if they want to get back to the second round and get two second
2: round picks instead of the first round pick. That makes sense to me. You know, I the problem the with Tom Telesco is picks. not that he doesn't trade up enough. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's that he never trades down. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Yes. All right.
1: Uh, I think we Thomas gave us a food, food question. Do we want to answer the food question? Of sure. Course. Let's do it. What okay. is it? what's the food uh very on brand for us he says best fast food option without a drive-thru i.e panda express okay i, is think panda I just express up, fast food pandas. yeah basically. i mean it's like anybody anywhere where you can sit down and get your meal within like five minutes
2: okay
3: um Jeez. is fudruckers drive fast food it is yes all right give, give me a good old FUD records with their cheese dip and fries and well you know burger and all that I like it I'll say the one that I
1: frequent the most is the habit just because like they have like, I was gonna similarity. say that too. I like their salads they're one of the few places that I can actually like go to and get a salad and I like their burgers so uh yeah fry game is weak their fry game is weak but uh mm-hmm. I think it's just the one I use the most because it's the easiest and it has good options
2: uh not even where did we far? eat
1: in vegas uh the like sandwich and soup place yes uh, it was called zupas it's a utah vegas idaho chain thing it's not like a national chain huh. okay yeah
3: that's
1: good, though. i like zupas
2: alex oh i was gonna say uh yeah probably f- not to wage too far into burger wars but five guys uh, i like right. five guys it's expensive
1: it's it's yeah. expensive to eat at five guys so I will yeah say
2: that. i mean i'm not i'm not going to a fast food burger place more than once or twice a year because i live on an island and there's no fast food burger <laughs> yeah, so say, if i do if, if if i do go to one it's like once in the summer but yeah uh, yeah one of the <laughs> you go to I chipotle and in, get the uh, herbert bowl or whatever yeah there's a herbert bowl at chipotle
1: yeah you know how like he, like they make those commercials for it it's like uh yeah. It's their garlic, guajillo, steak, and then it's like double rice, double beans. I can't remember the exact order, but it's with oh, their new double steak.
2: double beans at Chipotle? I don't know. <laughs> that, that sounds like a risky gambit. <laughs> Just do yeah, uh, Chipotle. chicken and cheese like Orlovsky. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. Did you see his video yesterday of the nachos? Yeah. I, you guys, I gotta, stop. You guys gotta stop. You guys gotta stop responding to him. him. He
2: knows how to, he knows how to farm the quote tweets. Like he <laughs> knows how to he knows how to beat the system. You guys gotta stop doing it. It was a video.
1: So it was a video of uh, who sent it? Laura Rutledge sent it out. It wasn't Dan, but his like, go-to nacho oh. order is just like the chips, cheese, and chicken. Like this man <laughs> has the taste buds of a four-year-old. I swear. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Chipotle's really hit or miss for me. Like I like sometimes you get a bowl and it's like half empty and it's just like okay what are we doing here so yeah all right there we go uh, christian hernandez with the second one he says trade for t Higgins then. uh <laughs> if they want keenan allen in return i guess i don't know
2: yeah i like how we just talked about for the first 30 minutes of the show like debated the cap implications of keenan allen and now we're like oh, okay here's a receiver who's probably going to be 10 million more expensive than keenan allen <laughs> like
1: <laughs> i appreciate the super chat though and i'm yeah. a big fan of t higgins but it's like oh, i love T. Higgins that you're you're talking about teams are talking about trading a first round pick for him like yeah so that's what it is all right uh alex any final thoughts before we head out for today
2: uh no it's about it for uh for today uh i am i don't know how big into the senior bowl i'll be uh <laughs> but i will be watching the <laughs> other game next week uh and so yeah go birds yeah go
1: birds uh Alex is uh, officially shifting into his uh, medical school full time so he'll be sticking around on the channel doing some bolt breakdown videos for us so really appreciative of his time on the show Uh, for those who haven't been listening for a while there was a a little bit of a time after we started when it was me and Alex only and Alex was recording inside of his uh, closet (laughs) so uh, always fond memories looking back at those so uh he'll be sticking around jumping on the show for for big items uh in the future but uh you know wishing him nothing but the best with uh his medical school journey full-time here in the in the next few weeks
2: yeah uh I'm not I'm not leaving the channel I'm still I'm just going out to buy some milk uh I'll be back (laughs) I'll be around on the channel uh, to, do <laughs> <laughs> uh, to do bolt breakdowns to do bolt breakdowns and do stuff like that i'll be around when we do the draft uh you know and whenever you guys uh need to fill in uh anytime so this isn't necessarily a, a goodbye because i'll still be around making a video every week i guess so you'll still get your content uh but yeah uh best of luck to steven and tyler i've always been uh appreciative from day one i mean like steven said we started or I started doing the show uh, from a closet in Houston. I now I did not think that three years later I would be living on an island and this is my life now, <laughs> uh, you know, or that the channel would get to 8,000 subscribers and and all of these milestones that uh, we've had along the way. So, um, yeah, just uh, happy to be here.
3: Come on, unmute Tyler. There we go. Um, no, I mean, and obviously very happy to have you. There's, it wouldn't have continued. Uh, I had to go do my stem cell research program the first year after like four or five months or whatever it was. Um, and then Alex was able to fill in because Jason went off to the military and it, we would not, we would be stuck or restarting or something. And so, you know, Alex really kept it together and I love everyone's, you know, chats in the, in the well, comments in the chat, um, throughout the life last couple of weeks kind of like knowing this was sort of happening but without really saying it um, then of course today Um, it's good to have your perspective as always Uh, we've worked together at bolt beat and here um, so we'll continue to do that as well and I, i will certainly be you know up to my ears in ed tpa and you know certain teaching credential stuff so you'll be on the show probably probably the next show honestly no i'm kidding but <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it won't be like a long-term goodbye or anything but you know of course we always appreciated having you and uh yeah it's, it's uh best of luck and everything you're doing moving forward too thank you yeah thank you
1: alex for everything you know we're uh you know lots of uh three two master's degrees a, a doctor in the in the on the show so we got a lot of uh education power on the show so always appreciative
2: yeah um always appreciative willing to join on anytime anytime you guys need me i will not be on shows after the sixers are eliminated anymore because i did that last <laughs> year and i'm not doing that again uh but yeah free to jump on anytime
1: and uh yeah i'll be sure to uh pencil you in on the schedule for the interior
3: offensive line episode
2: We'd oh sure. hell yeah let's get, <laughs> let's get in the trenches baby yeah we'll start at nine pst too oh fuck. no no <laughs> yeah the the one there is an advantage to the one or two a.m shows being as sparse but uh those those did produce some of our best content so yeah absolutely so uh again
1: big shout out to alex you know kept the kept the show alive with me you know throughout that first summer after put you know the covid summer which was a ridiculous time where we were talking about (laughs) nothing and then uh you know alex was doing the the preview shows with me every single week so Um, can't thank him enough for, uh, helping us continue to, uh, take the show to new heights. So, um, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Appreciate everybody for tuning in as always. If you are listening to this, please leave a rating or review. We always appreciate all of that positive feedback and, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys soon.
0: This is the story of the one as head of
1: maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on.